Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and love. We thank you, uh, Lord, even though we be few, that um, you are faithful to be with us. And Lord, we, we, we thank you that um, uh, it is your promise to do so and that you have promised to continue to grow us. Lord, we pray that we would be faithful as we look at your word, as we seek to uh, to, to, to analyze and, and, and uh, reflect on all of life that we, we would do so through the proper lenses that you give us through your word. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be with us now as we look at a, a number of these issues that are um, in, infecting the church, influencing the church. And, Lord, we pray that we, as a, as a body, uh, as individuals to be sure, but as a congregation, as a body, a local expression um, of your people, that we would be faithful uh, and seek to uh, do all that we do in our thinking and believing um, would be patterned after that word. So we praise you and thank you. We commend this time to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, there was a minority report I mentioned last time uh, that's about 30 pages. So I didn't make um, a bunch of copies of 30 page minority report. But this was a smaller one page. Minority report. Oh, I just noticed that I copied it with some of my notes on it. Hopefully, that's anything rude. I said, "Oh no, I did." I said, "This is great. It failed. That was my." <laughs> we probably did. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, as you remember, uh, Dr. Mitchell, some very encouraging. Um, presence of men with weight, you know, so to speak, including uh, Dr. Piper <coughs> at this GA speaking. Um, or by, by and large, a lot of times they're more silent. You know, they kind of just lay back and they don't want seek, seek to seek to be um, undue influence on the body. Okay, so what, what I, I wanted to do, um, last time, remember, we talked about um, some of these uh, minority reports of some of these overtures uh, that didn't get that, that got voted down, but that were uh, very encouraging and very edifying in the way that they laid out um, the way we um, uh, suggest the perception that we should have towards some of these issues. Well, particularly the issue of um, homosexuality, um, identity issues, and related to that. Remember, we talked about. The Nashville Statement, which seeks to um, give a, a series of uh, affirm, affirmations and denials about what we believe, what the church should believe concerning um, man, man's identity, the relationship between men and women, um, uh, the, and even the inappropriateness, on the other hand, of our conceiving of ourselves, our self-conception, which as I read that statement, the first time I read it, I was... I really wish there was a better way to phrase some of that, like self-conception, because you think of you're, you're talking about uh, issues having to do with men and women and conception. You think of children as a result of that, but uh, it, it nevertheless read carefully. It's very good. But uh, the national statement spoke of the wrongness of our conceiving ourselves as uh, homosexual or as what our self-identity is, and this was one of the issues that was greatly debated on the floor, Article 7, that dealt with this. And so some of these, this little, this is kind of, the, the one I gave you is a brief, it's very brief, right? It's not, not even two pages. Um, but there's some jumping off points, and I thought it would be helpful to look through some of this. And if you would like the longer version, as I said, it is, oh, well, I guess it's only 13 pages. Yeah, that's not too long. 
but I will email this to you if you'd like, um, because it is helpful also to uh, understand and reflect some of these things. But let's look at this minority report, uh, Overtures Committee Minority Report, Overture 37. Um, then, then again, this was distributed at the GA um, without without the instruction that it not that it be private or anything. You know, this was given to everyone. Yeah. I started out with a clarification, clarification sure. for you. In my understanding, and I'm not politically astute, but uh -huh. minority report always to me before has said it was not what the majority thought, but it was saying, excuse me, this is what we think. Like when the Supreme Court honors yeah. an opposing. So is this opposing what the General Assembly as a majority? Yes. Well, it's a dissenting, kind of a dissenting opinion. Exactly. So, it's a dissenting opinion. Yeah, so the Overture's Committee... Um, decides and puts forth to the floor and then on the floor the, the overture comes and it gets voted up or down um, but those like you said who have a dissenting opinion or opinion other than what the majority was so the conservative view i assume which you're sharing with us here did not carry uh, it did not well and so keep keep in mind so um that's why i said it was kind of a mixed bag as far as it was encouraging and discouraging because uh some of the over the very key overtures the overtures in very key areas, they were passed by a substantial margin. But when it came down to, um, it's like, okay, this is what we believe about this. We, we don't want any of this. But we're not going to go as far as to say this, the minority report. right? And there were different reasons for that. And there are, some of them are, I, I guess, political, maybe strategic. Um, uh, it was the... I, I got the sense that it was the desire of some men um, to not do any of this, to to let this to, to to allow a study committee to happen to do this, right? So the minority report came saying, um, "This is we should sign off that we believe these things," and men were saying, "Well, let's wait and take our time to erect a study committee and do this more carefully and thoroughly, so it's it's comprehensive, it's pastoral." So. That was one of the reasons that these minority reports came in. To be sure, there are other issues. There are issues related to, um, you know, uh, in some churches, in some, you know, pockets, there is a desire to be, we've talked about this, this, this trend towards social justice, right? That becomes all important, that swallows up the church um, in all that it does. Uh, racial things as well, that, that's been a big thing for a long time, is let's, let's move the focus of the entire church to race relations or to XYZ issue or to issues having to do with let's love homosexuals to the extent that we um, sacrifice uh, the true propositions of what the gospel, what, what the scriptures teach. Um, they wouldn't say that, but I'm, I'm saying that's the net effect of what they're doing. There you go, Mike. Would not, in essence, the people who would um, signed on to the uh, minority report would not have voted in favor of the majority report. Um, they would have. Not, uh, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah, again, because some of them were saying, yes, we want to do this, but we need to say something now. We don't need to wait for some study committee that could botch things up and slow things down. We, we can say definitively, declaratively, this is what Scripture teaches. And, and others were saying, um, yeah, let's just pump the brakes. Let, let, the, let the denomination as a whole work through this and, and study and come out with something. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, you're still making a study group yes. to further elucidate this? Yes, yes. Um, they are. They're, uh, 
I'm not sure that that has, um, I'm not sure that those, that committee has been um, appointed yet or assigned yet. Um, I seem to think it might have been. Do you remember hearing anything about that, Judy? I thought the moderator assigned people to two committees. I thought that came up on, um, I can't remember what news report I saw. Or yeah, it wouldn't have been at the GA. It would have been, yeah, so you maybe the cooler report or something you saw that? Or it might have been on By Faith Online. Oh, you read that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes, and there's also, I, I listened to an interesting article um, a couple days ago. It was entitled Prexit. Well, what that might be referring to? Prexit, P-R-E-X-I-T. Presbyterian Exodus? Presbyterian leaving Presbyterian Church, yeah. Uh, and so it was, it was, there was a, it was a, a PCA minister uh, speaking with some other ruling elders um, about some of the things that are going on in the PCA right now as a result of some of these things. Frankly, have been for a while. Remember years ago, maybe 10 years ago, it was really hot, um, uh, maybe more than that, around 2007 to 2010 or ish, it was really, the, the federal vision movement was very, uh, was a very hot issue, a very hot topic. Is that, that's not foreign to any of you, right? The federal vision? You know what that is, Dave? I do know yeah. And so, there were many men at that point who were very uh, disenchanted with the way that the PCA dealt with that. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, the PCA, along with all of uh, the other NAPARC denominations, right, those of like faith and practice, in essence, have a some, confessional and have fraternal relations. Uh, all of them came out uh, with declaring the, er the, the errors of the Federal Vision movement, Federal Vision teaching, a new perspective on Paul, um, uh, clarifying the doctrine, the biblical doctrine of justification, which is what that, you know, the core of what that issue distorted. But though they came out with that, there was, there was really no teeth um, in the PCA with how to deal with those people. There were some trials and some cases you know, some, uh, that came, but there was no, it seemed kind of just to be a fizzle and almost like, well, we disagree with that, but we're just gonna ignore it. We're not gonna prosecute it. We're not gonna um, disallow it by way of uh, discipline. And so, uh, that was an example of this, and some men see the same thing happening with um, the revoid, the issue with revoice, the perception and teaching of some regarding um, homosexuality and related matters. Um, does that make sense? Get that? Yeah. So, anyway, they, they were talking about some of the things going on, and so there's there's some group pockets of men trying to come together and form a continuing PCA. You know what that means? You've heard it in Scotland. I mean, how, how many churches or Presbyterian churches are there in Scotland? It's a spaghetti packet explosion. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the split peas they refer to. It's just all the, the Presbyterian churches. And, I mean, I kind of joke about it, but it's, it's awful that there are so many different denominations, right? We should, but anyway, uh, there's a continuing free church of Scotland or a continuing church of Scotland. What that means is they're continuing on with what the church should have been. And so, anyway, there's some pocket. There's a handful of um, men in the PCA looking into that as an, as an um, option to start a new denomination. Um, there are other pockets of men trying to rally others to go to another existing denomination like the OPC, like the ARP. Um, and we talked about some of this last year, you know, the, the potential possibility of that depending on how the PCA dealt with this by and large. Um, but you know, Is yeah. it possible to consider the alternative 
set up an inquisition and start some witch trials to get rid of these people within our group. Um, I think there's a, <laughs> an equal adversity to going that route. Um, an equal adversity to... Uh, going to the route of an inquisition and witch trials. And, and by that you just mean... Persever- we are going to root, root out anybody who has had same-sex attraction in their life at any time, and we're going to excommunicate them from the church. Uh, well, for sure, I agree with that. I, I think, I think more, more appropriately what you would see is people taking a hard line, not a hard line, taking a biblical stance and saying, look, you've come out as declaring yourself a homosexual. You know, whether you're celibate or not, that disqualifies you from office, <laughs> right? And I, I don't think that's, uh, that's not witch trial... Um, Inquisition, that's appropriate, you know. But I see what you mean as far as, um, yeah, part of, part of the sad thing about this whole thing, right, is that um, people need to be dealt with in their sin, but how? In love, right? And so we don't, it's not an all accepting. If anything goes, come in, you can do whatever you want, think whatever you want, and that's cool. No, I mean, it's also not, we're going to crush you and uh, destroy you because you have these views. It's we love you. Here's what the Bible says. Embrace this, <laughs> live this out. Right, and so there's, I think what you're, I agree, there's these, these, two, these poles of errors, yeah. Can you say something? Yeah, uh, yeah. the, the uh, members of the Committee on Sexuality, mm. uh, July 22nd, like they've announced that. Um, and the teaching elders are Brian Chappell, Kevin DeYoung, Tim Keller, and Jen Wiedenar. Ruling elders Derek Halverson, Kyle Peavy, and Jim popped up so okay, okay. but I um, one of them I didn't like one of them I did yeah um, and I think Kevin DeYoung will speak his mind um, it's very encouraging to me to see that both Brian Chappell and Kevin DeYoung are on that I don't know um, I think I only recognize maybe one or two other of those names but I didn't know the one the Jim Wiedenar I don't know who that is yeah I'm not really sure either it's um you know, there are those who live in the blogs and read all this stuff, and I just I don't have the time to keep up on all that. I mean, I wish I did, but so I appreciate that. That's um, actually very helpful to know. That, yeah, so that's encouraging, right? There's some men that at least have a voice of sanity. Both of those men are confessional, conservative, um, biblical, you know, very well, I mean, good exegetes of the text. Yeah. Is Brian in the pulpit now? He was the president of the Covenant Seminary. Yeah, Brian Chapel. He took a... Yeah, he took the senior pastor role at a church in Iowa. Yeah, I, I, I kind of object to the way you phrase that. Some of those men are saying, implying the others are not, what? or some others are not. Oh, I'm sorry. When, I, when about the men that I didn't mean? Yeah, by yeah. saying, yeah, I apologize. Saying meaning um, <laughs> a more more scripturally based, right? I, yeah, I don't. I'm not asserting insanity to those men for sure. I am. I am asserting those who would are not biblical or not right. I mean, I guess that's what I'm saying. That makes sense. Well, again, think, you're asserting that some of those guys, no, 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 are not biblical. No, no, I'm saying I know some of them are. I don't know the others. Uh, you know, what I'm saying, but but if but if they're if they're asserting that it is appropriate to identify yourself as a homosexual, I am saying they're wrong, and I won't bend from that because Scripture says yeah. they're wrong. Okay. Right? Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think I take your point, though. Yeah. Um, when Paul says, "And some, uh, such were some of you, but you are washed." Right. Yeah. Cleansed. That's right. That's right. You were justified, sanctified, washed. 
That's right. That's right. So um, our feet need to be planted in Scripture, and um, yeah, we need to be un- unbending in that. Again, in love, truth in love, and I, I appreciate that. That's um, I think it was your desire to show love in that, in that statement, so I appreciate that. Um, okay. I don't know where he stands. I mean, like I said, I don't know what, where the other men stand. They all may be biblical and really um, grounded. I don't know. I just don't know. But I do know a couple of them are. Uh, all right, for their writings and their teachings and their speeches from the floor. Um, okay, so they're also, one of the developments that um, I've heard about is a group of men in the PCA who are uh, wrong definitively in regards to their um, understanding on. Um, what scripture teaches about self, self-identity of a Christian. Right? We talked about this last week, 1 Corinthians. Uh, Hadley just quoted it, 6.11, Romans 6.11. Consider yourself then dead to sin. right? And so this, our self-conception, that's what our self-conception needs to be. Paul gets to say that, not those who disagree with Paul or are opposed to Paul. Um, and so there are, there are a group of men that hold to that view that are uh, talking about starting another denomination so they can leave the PCA. In my opinion, in my estimation, that would be the, that would be the honest thing to do, really. You know, they, they recognize that this is not the view of the PCA. It never has been. And so rather than, and this, this is why we see so often um, splits or people pulling out of denominations. The denomination goes south, and then people just have to leave. It would be much more appropriate, like with the Federal Vision Movement. Uh, Let's start a denomination that's a federal vision denomination and join that rather than trying to solely or, you know, stay and disrupt the peace and unity of the church in the, in the PCA. So um, I think that's the intellectually honest um, best way that, that that can happen is for the men who hold a view differing from the confession, differing from scripture to go, you know, and do what they like elsewhere. Um, Let's face it, for the past 60 years, the emphasis of public education has been self-identification. Oh, sure, yeah. You need to discover yourself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I like you just the way you are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's Well, you know, it goes back to Marxist identity politics, and um, we see it in politics, to be sure, it rules and drives politics. And, yeah, again, that's the danger of not... Yeah. Allowing this this to like interpret what we do rather than all the influences around us. James Kennedy, fifty years ago, was preaching on uh, you know the in the, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, and people were using that verse to say, well, we have to love ourselves. The, <laughs> the verse says nothing about. I, I, there's no commandment there to love yourself. Right. Uh, it's, I mean, not <laughs> it's not needed. It's not needed. We all do that quite naturally. It's assumed. Right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, I think that's all I was going to say about the, about the Prexit interview. I heard an interview. Um, it was called Prexit. About some PCA guys talking about these different potential people leaving um, the denomination. Uh, play on the, the Brexit uh, idea. Okay, well, let's look and spend some time uh, in this shorter minority report. Um, and again, if you like the other one, let me know and I'll email that to you. Um, but let's let's just walk through this a little bit. Um, number one, 
It says, all human beings are created in God's image, endowed with dignity and purpose to the glory of their maker. Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 9, and James 3. Uh, That's something that, hard to argue with. I mean, you know, it's very, pretty clear, uh, not really disputed. Number two, some Christians and churches regrettably have not loved, listened to, or cared for those experiencing same-sex attraction or gender confusion in a manner befitting their identity as God's image bearers, or in the case of believers, as our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, and we exhort such Christians and churches to repent of these failures. Um, all right, and so this, I think Dave gets to, they're trying to do something that was important to you and say, this is what's true. Uh, this is wrong to not, to not love these people, <laughs> right? Regardless of the sin, want to love the alcoholic, want to preach the gospel to him, want to do this with X sin, whatever it is, because that's the answer to, to all sin, right, is the gospel. Um, the, the spirit working through the truth in the hearts of people whom he chooses. Uh, okay, number three, all human beings descending from Adam by ordinary generation, right, there's language of, uh, from our confession, which is language from scripture, uh, are born sinners, having inherited both imputed guilt and enslaving corruption from Adam, and justly deserve God's judgment and wrath. Um, this is not something that you would think would be hotly contested or denied in in Christ church, let alone a Reformed Presbyterian church, let alone a traditional, I'm sorry, um, a, a, a very Bible-based denomination, as you know we assert to be. Uh, but it is, right? Uh, have you encountered people that disagree with that statement? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting for anyone to say no. Yeah, of course. Um, I remember, I think I might have told you the time I was, it doesn't matter the situation, but I was waiting for my son to get out of a class, and I was at this uh, school, and there was somebody walking around kind of nervously, this young man, and I, you know, I got to talk, and I said, what's going on? And he said, oh, I have, a, I have a, an assignment I have to do. I have a paper I have to write. And I need to interview a Calvinist. And I can't find him. It was at a four-square church that I was at where there's this homeschool thing. And I said, oh, I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> and I said, oh, it's great. And we got to talk, and I thought, well, I'm just, I'll just kind of walk him through, you know, the doctrines of grace, the, uh, the tulip. Um, and I thought, of course, or which, what was I thinking that he would get really hung up on and we'd take the most time? What do you think? Well, okay, hell, what'd you say? Limited atonement. I mean, for me, that's usually the one for me that people can kind of, eh, you know, no real objection until that one and there's, you know, a big objection. Well, um, it was the T that he got hung up on. We never got past the T. <laughs> uh, and that's what this speaks to, right? It's, it, what? <laughs> told, what, do, what do you mean? It was, it was bizarre. Um, it's shocking, I should say. Uh, but this is the, the, the testimony of God's word, right? And again, this gets what we were talking about in... Um, yeah, Michael, I guess you were there Tuesday. Very often, you know, if we're discussing an issue here, you know, we have to go back a number of steps to deal with something before this will, you know, we keep, it's not, it's not uh, adequate just to deal with this issue. We need to go back to some presuppositions, right? And so if you don't presuppose, if you presuppose the man is basically good by nature, it's going to affect, right? So that's what I'm saying. I think some would raise objections to Article 1 there, the all beings. Are created in God's image. Oh yeah, 
uh, for sure. What's God's image, and was it distorted so that right. such that people born after the fall right. really do not bear that image? Sure. So. I'll talk a little bit about that in the sermon today. So there you go, providential. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there will be those that disagree with every one of these. But these aren't things that are hotly contested or controversial, usually amongst Christians, right? We're, we're created in a certain way. Something's happened to us, and therefore there's a distortion of that. Um, and, of course, the whole thing of deserving, justly deserving God's judgment and wrath, that is, I mean, I don't know if that was ever any, you know, secular people or people, non-believers, uh, were ever okay with that. I imagine they weren't, you know, deserve it, especially... I mean, I've heard they don't even keep score at, like, children's soccer games now. <laughs> it's this desire to, just, like, so not offend anyone. So people ask me, how you doing? Yeah. And I say, better than I deserve. Yeah. And nine, nine times out of ten, I get, huh? <laughs> well, you deserve it. Right. Things, you know? Right. Um, yeah, God is not a, you know, most people don't see God as someone who would, who has wrath even, right? That's the God of the Old Testament. Anyway, we won't get into that. We all agree that's not true. Uh, number four, by his death and resurrection, Christ has not only procured the justification of his saints, whereby they are forgiven and declared righteous in God's sight, but it has also secured their freedom from enslavement to sin so that they are able to die into sin and live unto righteousness in him. Right, this, this is... Uh, seminal to this whole argument, this whole discussion. And I'm going to read that passage in Romans uh, 5. Right, this, this gets right to the issue that, that we're talking about, how we're to view ourselves, what is true of us as regenerate people. Uh, Romans 5, 12 to 19. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespasses, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the, by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many." Okay, and the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following, following many trespasses brought justification. Okay, 17, for if because of one man's trespasses death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in, the life, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Now, uh, and we'll end there. All right, and so, um, yeah, I'm not going to read the rest of those, but it, it walks through, Paul carefully walks through um, particularly start at verse 6 and start going through the propositions that he makes. Who you are in Christ. What is true of you? You have died to Christ. You've been raised to newness of life. Um, and then verse uh, 11 again. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Not 
still identifying yourself as a sinner of X, Y, and Z sin proclivity, but dead to those things and alive to Christ. Uh, that's how we are to conceive ourselves, to consider ourselves, to reckon is the word, um, I believe. We'll get to my... Um, okay. Right, so this, there's this... It's, it's freedom from the enslavement of these things. Right? I know this is difficult for all of us. We all have... Right? If it weren't difficult, we would all be sinless, but we're not. Right? And so we continue to struggle and in, in the, the war wages within us against sins. It is not healthy to tell someone... Um, whom has this war waging within them, there's no war. This is just who you are, right? It's not healthy for someone. You don't tell someone with, you know, cancer that they just have a flu. It's, uh, it's a wickedness to say this to them. Um, all right, uh, number five. When the Spirit unites sinners to Christ by faith, right, when the Spirit unites sinners to Christ by faith, Christ pardons and subdues the corruption of their nature, by his grace, and grows them in holiness as they work out their salvation with fear and trembling. All right, uh, and I'll read that, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. I think it's helpful. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Right? And so there we have this, um, you know, both sides of this formula that is our life of the believer. Right? We are to work out. <laughs> we are to work out with fear and, and salvation. I'm sorry, fear and trembling are our salvation. It's God who works in you. Right? And so uh, it's, it's God working in you. It doesn't mean you do nothing. Right? It's God who is uh, working in you. And so, um, number six, even after such union with Christ, there remains a corruption of their nature that continues to generate all manner of sinful desires, such as anger, disobedience, pride, hatred, lust, and unnatural sexual relations. I'm oh, sorry, attractions. Um, and he quotes Ephesians chapter two that walks the believer through his life. For you once two were dead in your trespasses and sins. Uh, after, uh, walking after the manner of your form, you know, you know, your former life. This is the sons of disobedience. Uh, this is who you were. Um, and so, number six, there is making that the declaration that is, you know, it, it's stark and it's painful, but it's true. And we f battle against these things all our lives. Um, some of these things, even after such union, there remains this corruption of the nat of the uh, their nature and continues. To, 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 you know, to, to manifest all of these things, these sinful desires. Um, and then number seven. And now, well, I'll go on. Uh, while external temptations from Satan and the world are not sinful for those subjected to them, right, again, the external temptations from Satan and the world are not sinful for those subjected to them, uh, internal desires that arise from the corruption of the flesh including romantic or sexual attraction to a member of the same sex, are sinful and must be pardoned and mortified in Christ. See that? All right, so let's look at uh, the verse they have there as a proof text. Hebrews 
Oh, yeah. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom they must give an account. Right? It's just, just more, more, more of a reason, more weight to why we're not to lie to people about their sin. Right? They're, they're, God knows. You're not, you're, you're, not fooling in, you're not fooling God. Right? You're distorting their belief uh, system. Um, all right. Number eight, the notion that unnatural sexual desires due to the fall are merely disordered, right? And this is a word that you hear in the, when, you read the language, when you read this literature of these people. And Judy, you've read some of this or listened to some of the Revoy stuff, have you? Um, I don't know if I actually listened to any of the speeches. Okay, okay. In the Revoy's conference. I mm-hmm. intended to, but I don't know. With many movements or you know things like this very often there's a language that there's a you know terminology and a whole like group of like language that is goes along with it and this is one of those terms um unnatural sinful desires due to the fall are merely uh, the notion that they're merely disordered but not sinful conflicts with the biblical and reformed doctrine that both the corruption of our nature itself and all the motions thereof are truly and properly sin. Right. Yeah, where do you think that word came from, disordered? Disordered? Well, it's a desire to... Well, for instance, I, I heard in California, um, in San Francisco, they've... Uh, I think in, in politics, they, they've, they have a mandate to stop referring to criminals as criminals and only... I, I forget what it is. Um, uh, criminally involved. Yeah. Just, something about the justice system, or judicially. Judicially, yeah. Okay. So whichever it is, judicial corruption involved, well, yeah, judicially involved, well... Corruption's got way too many guns. Yeah, for sure. So if, if I mug you, we're both judicially involved, right? Um, it's insane. And we see, and this is not new. We see this from even before, you know, uh, the heyday of communism. Just changing language, mas- um, manicuring, massaging what language is and how it's used. Right, 1984. You, you've probably read that book. Some of the it talks about this. This. Um, well, I'm I'm thinking it, it comes from either Augustine or uh, maybe C.S. Lewis, who uh, defines sin as disordered love. Oh well, I, I think what they're trying to do here is um, not 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 um, to not say that it's. Well, just like with the judicially involved, it's trying to convey something, uh, stripping it of certain connotations, right? Yeah. It's not evil desires. It's not um, uh, these desires aren't um, even sinful, right? A lot of people have gone from using the word sinful to just broken. Well, if we're sinful, we're broken for sure, but what's that? Euphemism. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a reason behind this, right? So notice what he says. Due to the fall, are not just disordered, uh, are merely disordered but not sinful, right? So they've been kind of twisted in the fall or, you know, not, it's not right, but it's not sinful, right? It's not uh, sin to be, to, to identify as that. That's their argument. Like, we can have this same-sex attraction as long as we don't act on it, right? As long as we remain celibate. Um, and it's very... <laughs> Well, I don't want to get too deeply into it, but well, they're they're denying that. They're this this minority report is denying, yeah, that yeah. it's merely disordered, but that it's sinful, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
the these uh, actions are indeed sinful. Yes. Right, and that they can con- they conflict with the biblical and reform doctrine that both the corruption of nature itself and the, all the motions thereof are truly and properly sin. Right, and if, there was a conference before the GA General Assembly, and I think Judy, you said you listened to that conference, and they talked about this. This kind of it's very interesting. A lot of like uh, false teachings and stuff that come into the church, um, they have a way of like going back around and becoming like we're we're, <laughs> we're Protestants. We protested against something, the teaching of the medieval church. And a lot of the thing, the kind of false teachings, end up finding with going back around and affirming things that they taught the medieval church. We protested against right federal vision uh, movement that I mentioned earlier. Um, we want they said we want to we need to place a higher value on what the church is, right? That's been diminished in the sacraments in our cult in our in our churches. They've been watered down, and we want to raise the we want to heighten the significance of what they are, what they should be. And so um, the sacraments become so important. That they become um, just like Roman in Roman Catholicism. With the working, it is worked, right? And the church becomes so important. Your identity with the church equals one to one your identity before Christ. And so, as, as long as you're in right standing with the church, you're in right standing before Christ. But if you're not right standing with the church, you're not in right standing with Christ. You're not a believer anymore. And so, it's again in this kind of weird way they want to be so reformed that they become Roman Catholic. And become a full circle around, and uh, in this, in that that pre General Assembly seminar, they were talking about this, um, the Roman Catholic doctrine of concupiscence. You guys all heard of that? Your head was nodding first. What can you just briefly? Do you remember it's, what that it's is? It's an inclination towards sin, but it's not sinful. It's in itself, but that's it's a false doctrine. Right. Yeah. What were you going to say? The same. Yeah. And so it's uh, and that's what they're speaking against here. Right when it says the biblical reform doctrine that both are cor- both the corruption of our nature and all the motions thereof are truly and properly sin, right? It's not the corrupt nature is not that which is sinful. It's only the out the, the, you know the, the the consequence or the outworking of that. And they're saying no, that's not true, and that is what Rome thought. Um, all right, and there's some scripture passages there. Okay, moving on to number nine. Terms such as gay Christian, same-sex attracted Christian, alcoholic Christian, lustful Christian, greedy Christian, etc., do not rightly define the identity of believers. Rather, Christians must, must consider themselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ in whom, in whom they find their identity. Right, and this is something that um, we just talked about, right? That's it. It's... it's uh, Oh, yeah, go ahead. Is that part of what the definition of sanctification is? Is our, as a believer in Christ, as a Christian, coming to know that we are dead to sin and alive to Christ, that we're learning how to live in that state of the righteousness that has already been imputed to us? We're, we're being transformed into the image of Christ, and so that's our transformation. That's what they're talking about here, right? Is that these people are not, by claiming gay Christian, they're not living in that knowledge that they're dead to that sin. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the point, right? You're not, right? I could, I could go around and define, identify myself as an impatient Christian. Am I a Christian man that's impatient? Yes, I am. And it's something that I, you know, that, that 
wars within me and I struggle and fight against and pray about. Um, but to deny that that's, I mean, but to assert that it's just, that's who I, just who I am, that, that, well, as long as I'm not impatient, well, it not only, <laughs> yeah, you, it, it, it takes the, it takes the, um, uh, it, it removes what you're saying, the need for that to happen, right? Uh, it's all of your fear, fearing and trembling. You're not fearing and trembling at your, at your sin, you're quite comfortable with it. Right, right. And so as I'm working out my, yeah, my salvation with fear and trembling, with all these things, as God works in me, it's a distortion of that, that formula, that, that understanding, a self-conception of who I am. Because am I going to, well, go ahead. So then you would not pray rightly. Yeah. Because if, if I'm asking the Holy Spirit to rid me of this sin, whatever my particular right. sin is, then I'm praying rightly. If I'm just, right. as you said, complacent in it, then I'm not praying rightly. Well, that's right. And it also, um, you know, again, the promise is that the Spirit works through the, the proclamation of truth. Right? And so... What does it do to somebody who is, struggles mightily with this kind of very, um, you know, it's, it's one thing to be, if you're kleptomaniac, kleptomaniac that's, that's bad. That's a sinful thing. But we see in Scripture that sins related to the body, right, sexual sins, um, th- there's a weight there that is uh, destructive. You sin against yourself. Yeah. Who hates the self? <laughs> Well, right, but what I'm saying, yeah, and what I'm saying is, um, yeah, well, again, so if you take, if you remove the truth, the spirit working the proclamation of truth and tell them, this is just who you are, just don't do it. What is that? Moralism. Law. So you were not, this isn't a benefit or, or a nice thing to do to people to say, just don't do it. Right. That is the, that is the law bomb that is death upon them because they will not do it. Or not, you know, they won't not do it. You know. Yeah, and, but, and you see how it might be perceived that since we are dead to those things, uh, if I'm still experiencing it, then, then I must not be dead to those things. I must not be in Christ. Oh, for sure, for sure. But it's not okay to say, um, this is just who you are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the whole point of sanctification is asking to come to the place where we know we're dead to that yeah. and we live in that. It's, it's like somebody with a bank account for a million dollars and yet they're not, you know, they're starving to death because they don't access that. Right. We have, it's that already, not yet. Yeah. We, we have this, but we don't live like this. And it short circuits God's way, right? God's way is, this is true of you, believe what I say about you. Right, and that, and that's you know, and the spirit works to sanctify you. You short circuit, you distort that when you say um, it's a, it's okay that this uh, that this is who you are. Just don't do it. I mean, I see this as one of the great great problems with this. It's just the the law, heavy crushing upon the individual. Right, just don't do it. Well, they're not going to just not do it. Just like I'm just not I'm not going to just not be impatient. Um, the only rescue for me. Um, in my impatience or them and their homosexuality um, is to flee to Christ, to continually flee to him for strength, to, to kill that and to conform me to the image of Christ, right? And so this, this isn't just being meanies against people who are, have a sin that we don't like. This is a matter of love, right? 
and I appreciate the, the, the need, the, the desire to be very careful about being loving. Um, the church too often is bit. We've all heard testimonies. Um, I was an alcoholic. I lost my family and my job, and I was living on the street. And then I came to Christ, and Jesus just took away that desire. Yeah. So, how come if that desire is not taken away, does that mean that Jesus really didn't save me? Right. It's a good question, class. What? What? How would you answer, uh, brother? Hypothetical question. What'd you say? Well, it doesn't all go away. You you have to keep your mind set on the things of Christ. Uh, I could go back and uh, entertain my former sins and, and enjoy them you know, yeah. to the full. But uh, being born again, I am able to not do that. I'm able again to to, to abhor those things and to and to love things of the Lord. So yeah, just oh, keep your mindset on. Yeah, hold, hold on, hold, hold on a second. Yeah, go, Jane, you were gonna say something real quick. I don't want you to not get hurt. Well, I, I just, I'll just say I just have kind of the same experience with smoking. Yeah. Um, and um, when we came to Christ, um, Mike and I decided to quit smoking, and um, our desire for holiness in the Spirit um, was greater than our desire for cigarettes, even though it bad we battled. Praise God for that. That that's what it that is that's glorious. And that's I mean, even for those whom which that is not a reality, that needs to be our mindset, right? In the act of this sin, uh, or or entering into this sin, what is more glorious to me and desirable? The the uh, Christ or the satisfaction of the sin, right? Uh, that, that that needs to be there, but uh, you were gonna respond, Ed. Well, yeah, I just um, so what's our response to this brother who says, well, I believe Christ. I know I'm, I believe the gospel. I've trusted in him. Yeah. Why do I still have these urges? Why do I still have these urges? Yep. Does that mean that... Um, right. No, we have to have an answer for that question. That, that I, I was self-deceived. Yeah. Paul addresses this in Romans 7. I mean, uh, throughout the whole chapter, he's speaking about that you know, very issue. He says, For we know the law is spiritual, but I'm of the flesh, sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions, he says. And uh, he goes on to say, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Yeah. And so he obviously struggles with those desires as well. And sure, if, uh, if someone's an alcoholic and they come to Christ and those desires are taken away, that's wonderful thing we praise God but uh, we still live in this this body of flesh yeah. and there's still uh, there still is a corruption there that's what sanctification is is what I would explain to that there's a difference between definitive sanctification the work of Christ God views us as righteous and progressive sanctification our growing in righteousness and Yep, that's very key. Yeah, go ahead. Isn't it the yep. fact that each one of us is individual? If I only had one sin <laughs> I had to overcome, yeah. you know, I could, you know, pray for the Holy Spirit to take that. And in the case of the alcoholic, the Lord in his purpose may take that from them. But they've got other sins 
that yeah. they have to continue to pray about and work on. Yeah. I, th- I think this all comes into play. But, the, the, but I, I do think, Dave, I appreciate the question because I have known individuals who have said those very things. Am I to disbelieve them? Well, you know, I have no reason to disbelieve them. But I also know people who will very likely die struggling with their alcoholism, right? And so I, I, I think, I think in, the, in our answer to them, we need to be honest uh, and tell them that, that the Lord is working. It's, your failure is not, um, your salvation is not the determinative of, God, of your standing before God. Your, your salvation is not determined by your obedience. Right. Sure. Right. sure. That's well, just putting yourself sorry, back under that's, the law. That's what sure. Paul writes when he gets to yeah. Romans chapter yeah. 8. He, yeah. He's found upon the Right, right. And so, all I'm saying is, you know, we need to be sensitive to people that have these questions. Uh, for sure, but and I mean... to let them know they can still be saved. That they're not necessarily... Just because you're struggling against sin yeah. and you have fallen and that... I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah, and of, of salvation. Sure, sure. I mean, and it really goes back to, I mean, it's a matter of assurance, right? And uh, lack of assurance or need of assurance or, or failure of assurance uh, comes in many different um, avenues. But at the end of the day, we need to point them to what is objectively true, what God said, what God says about them, as well as what, is subject, what, what they subjectively know and are going through. But it needs to be, you know, they're both in, in play there, right? And so uh, it's a battle. It's a war that wages, but... Yeah, we definitely don't put them under the law, and I don't think I heard any of you guys um, saying that. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I think we're out of time, but yep. um, there is an excellent passage that I discovered the other day in my devotions hmm. uh, that applies to this, and that's Second Thessalonians 2, verses 16 and 17. And it's especially helpful when you see the words comfort in a couple of places mm-hmm. and you look up the Greek and it means it's coming from the parakletos yeah. uh, word which so it's not comfort of um, patting you on the back and giving you consolation but it's actually uh, giving you strength um, and it says right here that, um, that we're given strength to comfort our hearts and establish them in every good work and word to me this has a lot to do with application by For sure, for sure. And, and, and yet again, this is another issue, Dave, I think, where there are presuppositions or things earlier on in the, that are probably more probably basic in their, in their beliefs and their mindset that need to be clarified. You know, yeah. well, that makes sense. All of the Christian life is a life of repentance. Yeah. So, uh, absolutely. Well, and Paul prayed three times for the thorn in his flesh be removed and every time Christ said my grace is sufficient for you. For the alcoholic who still battles against that lust my grace is sufficient to you. It's being taught in their life. Mind or reading or something else or whatever. That's why homosexuality is no worse in one sense a sin than the kleptomaniac or the person who's impatient. Sure. That sin is sin. Are you accusing me of being impatient? I said, are you accusing me of being impatient? No, you said. No, you're right, right? And, and, I, and I often pray. I, I, I pray that my, my reflex and horror towards those sins that horrify me, I would have the same degree of hatred and disgust for my own sin. You should. Right? Because you should. What does that do? It puts my, me into perspective. And, and it points I, I think there's the same problem here as we discussed last week. Instead of pointing 
surprise this point to one's on self. So yep. we'll talk about right. one's own experience last week, but uh, this week it's not you know, our desires. Sure, maybe we still struggle with sin and still desires, but it's uh, sinful desires. But that's not what makes one a Christian. So to refer to someone as like an alcoholic Christian, that's pointing at their own desires to the point of Christ and to say that, well, I still have sinful desires, but this person, that they had sinful desires that was taken away. Instead of pointing back at someone's desires, we need to point that person to Christ, really. Yeah, and that's, that's really what, it. I mean, that's where the identity is, and that's what yep. you do. We flee to Christ. That's recurring, right. it's sort of a recurring problem. Yeah, let, let's, let's close in prayer, guys. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. Uh, that you have saved us in Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you promised to never leave or forsake us, uh, not just in saving us in our justification, but also your promise to never abandon us, even in our sanctification. And we look forward, dear Lord, to that day when uh, that will be uh, completed and consummated as we uh, enter into glory with you. And so, Lord, we pray that in the meantime, we would continue to flee to you in this battle that wages within us, Lord, we pray that you would give us love as we are corrected in our perspective of, of, by our own sin. Give us love for those uh, who uh, sin with particular sins that are not our own, but Lord, still need the gospel. They still need to flee to Jesus and still need the forgiveness uh, and healing and rescue of that self-same Christ. Father, we pray that you would be with us now as we uh, move towards corporate worship. We thank you and praise you that we can come together as your people, uh, as, as the body of Christ, um, and enter into worship and to receive from you and to be challenged, to be refreshed, to be encouraged, and to sing your praises uh, and confess what we believe, Lord. We thank you for all of this and we commit this, commit this time to you now and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.